Two weeks ago, the last message that I preached, I started off and I asked the question, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? How are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? A point of personal reflection, a point of individual examination. How are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? You see, be sure as Christians, as those who've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, because of the grace of God, we have a call to be a disciple. Now, not only to be a disciple, but to be growing, continually growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, what that means is we as Christians, again, those saved by faith in Jesus Christ, we put ourselves under the teaching of Jesus Christ. We take on the instruction and the instructing of Jesus that we would be shaped by Jesus, that our hearts, our minds, our actions, our attitudes, that they would be like our Savior Jesus and that all of that would be that we would be equipped for the mission of Jesus, for the purpose of Jesus. We would go and we would reach the lost and we would make more disciples. And so if the goal is to be under the teachings of Jesus so that you would have the heart and the mind and the action and the attitudes of Jesus, again, on this morning, I ask the question, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Again, this week and for the next two weeks, our message continues, instructions for would-be Disciples. This week is part two. Again, instructions for would-be disciples. Today we're in Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at the first four verses. Again, Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. And he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and that he were thrown into the sea and that he would cause that, then that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We rejoice in our Savior, Jesus. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin, for the reconciliation that we have, for the redemption that we have because of Calvary, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We come today and we praise you and we worship you. We come and we're thankful for this past week as we see your truth taught to our kids. I, I pray that that foundation would continue to stack We'll continue to build that there will be an eternal impact. We come today and I pray as we have this opportunity to study your word, to hear your word. I pray that it would be indeed supernatural, that you would speak truly to your people today. I pray that we will be trained, we will be taught. If need be, we would be convicted, but we would not leave here the same. But we would grow closer to you. We would look like you. And we could truly be called disciples of Jesus Christ. I pray for some in this room today that do not have a relationship with Jesus. 
I pray that as you've brought him, them, there, them here this morning, that as they hear your truth, that they would be convicted, that your spirit would stir in their heart, that they would hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and today might be the day of their salvation. Move in our midst today, dear Lord. We come today and tell you again, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we can start again today, see the context. Remember the context here in Luke chapter 17. We find that Jesus is talking. He is teaching his disciples. Very clearly in the first verse it says, and he said to his disciples. Now we saw he had been alternating and he'd been talking to those who were opposed to him and then at times he had been teaching his disciples. We find here today Jesus is instructing his disciples. Now really see this today, get a hold of this today, understand Jesus here is training those who would take up his cause. As he is talking to them, as he is teaching them, Jesus is teaching those who would take up his mission and carry out his purpose. Now the Bible tells us, and we know that it's true, that after the cross he ascends to heaven. And these people, these disciples, they will be the ones to move forward with the mission. They'll be the ones to carry on his purpose. That is what a disciple is. That is what a disciple does. And so let me say this morning, as you evaluate yourself today, if you are not personally in his cause, you are really not his disciple. Now that's a hard truth, but the fact stands, you might be a fan of his, you might be an admirer of his, you might be an enthusiast of his, but if you're not on his mission, you're not really a disciple. That is the biblical truth. Today there's a lot of people and they've got all the fine points of following Jesus Christ down. They know all of the academic things and they have all that down. But the problem is even knowing that, they're not truly following Jesus Christ. Well, the disciple is on his mission. Last time, two weeks ago, in his instructions for his would-be disciples, he teaches on, and we heard, the responsibility that disciples have, that we have as Christians to weaker Christians. The responsibility that we have as Christians for new believers or for immature Christians, those who require greater care, those who need further instruction. And Jesus says that it will be better to be dead. In fact, he says it will be better actually to have a stone tied around your neck and to be cast into the sea and to be drowned and to be silenced than it would to lead one of them astray. Remember we saw the primary cause that leads people, the primary reason that people are led to stumble is that we would hold to or we would promote or we would teach incorrect doctrine or we would hold to, we would promote or we would teach anything that's less than the biblical truth. Friends, be sure today, any distortion of the truth, any perversion of the truth leads people to destruction. And so Jesus says we have to be on guard against that. Jesus says we can't feed into that. And I want to tell you that is the battle that we exist in today. Any distortion of the truth leads people to destruction. 
And that moves us to today. Today, in the two verses we're going to look at very closely, verses 3 and verse 4, Jesus talks about, Jesus addresses really one of the hardest issues, I believe, in Christian life. And that is the issue of forgiveness. I have noticed that there are two subjects, two topics that when I preach on them or when I talk about them, people's ears perk up. People are drawn to listen. And those are the topics of the end times. People want to know what's coming. And that is also the topic of forgiveness. Whenever I talk about or, or teach on forgiveness, people are drawn to listen to a message about forgiveness. I want to tell you, I believe it's because we all struggle with forgiveness. It is a hard issue. It's not natural to us. In fact, it is hard for us to, to come and understand what it truly even means. And so today in that understanding, we're going to look at our verses. Verse 3. Verse 3 starts off and it says, Jesus says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. The English Standard Version says, pay attention to yourselves. The Greek meaning means be on the alert. It really means be in a state of alert. Be on the alert, but be in a sense, be in a state of alert. Very simply, it means watch out. Listen to me this morning. Unforgiveness undermines the message of Jesus Christ. Unforgiveness slanders the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unforgiveness undoes the church of Jesus Christ. Unforgiveness hinders and wrecks our individual Christian walks. And so unforgiveness is a big deal. And so Jesus says, be on the alert. Today, be on the alert. Tomorrow, be on guard. Watch out. Verse three continues and it says, if your brother sins, if your brother Sins. Be on your guard if your brother sins. Now, the first thing to see is this. Your brother, it is talking here, it is addressing fellow believers. This is talking about the church. This is talking about Christians. Now, let me just say this and listen very carefully. This may be a newsflash for some of us. Christians sin. Christians fall short. Christians mess up. Now somehow some folks have gotten the idea that Christians are above sin and Christians are not going to sin and they're better than that. And they've set some expectations that, oh, that's a Christian, they should never sin. I want to tell you as Christians, we're a lot more forgiving of the lost world than sometimes we are of Christians. And I want to tell you the truth is, God honoring Christ, following believers in Jesus Christ, sometimes sin. Understand that. Second thing to see is this. It is talking here about individual sin, an individual's sin. It's talking about a sin, an issue between two parties. Very simply, a brother sins and the sin is against you. A brother sins and the sin injures you. Get this today, be sure of this. We're not called to confess and we're not able to forgive sins that we're not party to. Did you hear that? We're not called to confess, and we're not able to forgive sins 
that we're not party to. It doesn't call here for me to get two people together or six people together and say, forgive me for I've sinned against Fred. No, my sin is against Fred. Or Fred's sin is against me and so my conversation is gonna be with Fred and Fred and I are gonna have this conversation and it's only Fred who can offer forgiveness. Now the flip side of that, no man can offer forgiveness for sin that he's not party to. Now what that means is this. If you came into my office and you said, you know what, Brother Toby, I've got to tell you something. I have sinned. I've done a terrible thing. I've sinned against Fred. And I said, well, I forgive you. It's okay. I forgive you. I want to tell you, you might be right by me, but you've still got an issue with Brother Fred. Let me tell you something bigger than that. Sin against God. In fact, all sin is, is ultimately against God. No man can absolve you of that sin but God. And so listen to me. We do not confess it to a man. And no man can forgive it on behalf of God. It is an individual issue. And you address it with the person that the issue involves. It says this, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Rebuke him. If your brother sins against you, listen, you rebuke him. Now the word rebuke in the Greek means to call attention to wrongdoing. Now I think this is important for us to understand this word, to call attention to wrongdoing. It literally means to warn. It holds the understanding to, to assign a responsibility to. And so if you rebuke somebody, you call attention to the wrongdoing, you warn, and you're attempting to assign responsibility to. Now be sure, rebuke doesn't mean assault them. Some folks go around with their big old Bibles, oh, I've got to rebuke somebody. Where are you going? I'm going downtown, I've got to rebuke Fred. And they're in the rebuking business. It's not a call to, to assault somebody or to yell at somebody or to, to punish somebody. It's not a call to harm somebody. It is to call attention to wrongdoing. See this. If your brother sins against you, now listen, see the formula, you rebuke him. Now what that means is you don't go tell everybody else. My brother sins against me and I've got to go rebuke and tell everybody else about him. It means that you don't try to build a consensus. It means that you don't try to establish and to build up your cause at their expense. No, from the Greek, you warn them of their error. You're not given the job of warning everybody else. I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of danger. There's a lot of, of, of things that go wrong. People say, you know what, I've been sinned against and I've got to tell their 10 best friends and I've got to tell my 10 best friends and I've got to tell the general public and I've got to let everybody know about this grave error that this person has made. No, when they sin against you, you rebuke them. It's an individual transaction. Verse three continues on and it says this. And if he repents... And if he repents, now to repent, we need to look at that word. It means to change your mind, to change one's mind. Now, it actually is a little bit deeper than that. It really means to change your inner man. 
You see, there's a lot of folks that can fake an outward change. There's a lot of folks that can say one thing and smile one way, and there's a lot of folks that can, that can put on a dog and can have an outward change. This is talking about the change of an inward man. This is talking about a true inward change. I found this this week, and I thought it was pretty awesome. In the original thought, if you go and you break it down in the Greek, in the original thought, it means this. It means to see correctly afterwards. To see correctly afterward. Now what that means is this. Before you repent, you see incorrectly. You see wrongly. But after you repent, you see as you should. You see correctly. And the difference is you have now embraced, you have now acknowledged the truth. And so it means to see correctly afterward. And so the verse goes on and it says, and if, if he repents, the end of verse three, forgive him. Forgive him. Let's look at the word forgive. The word forgive means to release. It means to remit. Now see the picture here. If there is a debt, if there is an obligation to pay a debt, it means that you untie them, that you release them from that debt. It means you have released them from the debt and so the debt is settled. And so to forgive somebody, we hold no charge against them. There is nothing further to settle. The account has been settled. They are released from this account. The Greek verb tense here is now. It is instant. It means as Christians, if they repent, we forgive them. If they repent, and as fast as they repent, we quickly, without delay, we forgive them. We are to quickly forgive. We are to release them quickly and to free them from that account. Look at verse four. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, Forgive him. Listen to that again. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, Jesus says, forgive him. In verse four, Jesus is addressing the extent of Christian forgiveness. In Judaism, in the Jewish system, it was honorable, you had done admirably if you forgave somebody three times. And it's talking about a total of three times. If, if somebody sinned against you and you forgave them and then two years later they did something and you forgave them and maybe some other event you forgave them again, if you had forgiven them three times, you could feel satisfied. You could feel justified. I have gone and I have fulfilled my duty and I forgave them not once and not twice, but I have forgiven them three times. Well, Jesus says, listen to the example. Seven times a day, 49 times a week, 2,555 times this year, and 2,555 times next year. Jesus is making the statement here, as followers of Jesus Christ, we forgive, and we forgive freely, and we forgive quickly because we have been forgiven of much. Because ours is a gospel of forgiveness, we are generous in forgiveness. In fact, there's no limit to how many times 
we forgive. That is the standard that Jesus sets. If we truly follow him as a disciple, we forgive freely and quickly. Now I want to apply this for us. I want to apply this to us in 2017. I want to apply this to us as those who are endeavoring to be and to walk and to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. There are really two things to heed in this passage. There are really two calls to heed in this passage. And the first is this. As Christians, we stand ready to forgive. As Christians, we stand offering forgiveness. And as we have been forgiven, we are ready to quickly and fully release them from that debt that they owe. We're to harbor it no longer. Be sure, friend, if the one who has sinned comes to you and you see now that they are seeing correctly and there is repentance in their heart and it's not an outward show or not an outward sign, but there is inward repentance, if you will not forgive them, you're not following the directions of Jesus Christ. If a person comes and there's been a change and they seek your forgiveness and if you will not forgive them, you're not walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I wanna tell you, if a person comes and they come in true repentance and they ask for your forgiveness and you will not give it to them, it's possible you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says we forgive freely. I want to tell you, it's, it's that serious. Jesus is that serious about that. Jesus says, if they come to you and they came seven times yesterday and all seven of those times hurt you and they came seven times today and they're going to come again seven times tomorrow and they honestly repent, then you forgive them. That's what we do as Christians. There's a second duty. There is a second call here in this passage. And I'm just gonna tell you, I'm afraid and I'm pretty sure it's one that we have missed. Listen very carefully. In this passage, we also see the call to repent. You see, the transaction described here is dependent upon both repentance and forgiveness. And forgiveness is offered by the disciple. He stands ready to administer that forgiveness, that disciple does. But listen to me, there is not applied forgiveness. The transaction is not completed unless there is repentance. It is settled, it is released, the score is settled and forever removed when there is true repentance. You sit there and say, well, that sounds like some kind of cop-out. That sounds like some sort of excuse to not forgive. That, listen to me, that's not it at all. Jesus says this, and I want you to look in your Bible. Look at what Jesus says. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Jesus says that. And if he repents, forgive him. Verse four, if he comes up seven more times saying, I repent, forgive him. Listen to me today, hear this very carefully. Offered forgiveness becomes applied forgiveness upon repentance. 
Somebody might say, well, what about the cross? There on the cross of Calvary, as they beat Jesus, as they crucified Jesus, Jesus says there, and as it's actively going on, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Think about that for just a second. Jesus offers it in his grace, in his mercy. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, but I want you to think about this. Were they all saved? Was it applied to all of them? I want you to think more about that. This group includes us. Do you understand? We were part of the group that put him on the cross of Calvary. Our sin is responsible for him being nailed to the cross of Calvary. In that statement, are we saved? On that statement, is there universal salvation, some sort of universal forgiveness applied? No. Listen to me. When does it happen? It happens when we repent. Acts chapter three says, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. It is a completed transaction in repentance. When there is true sorrow and there's true grief and you come and you repent, there's a turning away. That's when it is accepted. So how do we apply this? Two ways. If you are injured, forgive. If you're injured, you keep on forgiving. If you're injured, you offer forgiveness and you keep on offering forgiveness. You harbor no hatred. You harbor no ill will. You turn it over to God. Even if they won't repent, you turn it over to God and you give it to him and you offer forgiveness and you move forward and you walk and you live in forgiveness. But the second is this. If you are wrong, if it is your sin, and I want to tell you that's talking about all of us. All of us at times are included in this. If it is your sin, then just as quickly you confess it. Just as quickly you admit it. Just as quickly you own it and you repent for it. It was me. I was wrong. I did it. I injured you. And please forgive me. We're called to repent. We're called to repent. Settle it up and be honest. And that's what we do as Christians. Why does it matter? Friends, that's the gospel. You see, Jesus has satisfied the debt. Jesus paid it all himself. There's nothing left for us to pay. And now because of the cross of Calvary, he offers to us the forgiveness of sin. And he offers to us the right standing that that we can have in him before a holy God. And he offers us the righteousness of himself to be imparted upon us. And he calls for us sinners, only repent, only repent, turn. And the fact is that we would come to him as sinners. It's a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we would say, oh, Lord Jesus, I sinned before you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I wish I'd have never done it. I wish I'd have never gone that way. Oh, my heart is grieved. Oh, my soul is burdened. Oh, Jesus, I sinned against the holy God. Oh, forgive me, Lord Jesus. And it's applied to us. See, the transaction requires repentance and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful that in your truth, as you teach us how to deal with each other, you restate and you reemphasize the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for us today here as sinners who've gone our own way, who've rejected you, who've turned against you, who've lived according to our standard and the world standard, really couldn't care about what you wanted. We broke our relationship. We deserve to be cast away. That you stand as the resurrected Savior, the Savior from sin that endured the cross, and you offer to us forgiveness. And you offer it to all, for God so loved the world, and you offer it without strings attached, and you offer it without a work to do, and you offer it in grace, Lord, and you offer it in mercy, and all we have to do is turn and by faith say, Lord, I believe in who you are. Lord, I know you're my Savior. And I repent, and in faith I turn to you that we might be saved. I pray for some in this room that this is the decision they're gonna make today. That you've impressed it upon their heart as they've been sinned against by people and they feel the grief of that. How many more times, how many more fold that must be magnified when the sin of the world is put upon Jesus. Help us to repent. Help us to return. Help us by faith in Christ to profess you as our Lord and our Savior. Lord, let us see the gospel today. I pray for us here who are believers. I pray that we would be serious today. We would see your word. Where some have sinned against us, we would be quick to offer forgiveness and we would stand offering forgiveness, not contingent upon anything we offer it. And I pray for us as sinners here today, those who injure others, that we would be quick to repent. We'd be quick to call our sin what it is a sin. We would seek a renewed fellowship. Help us in that and help us in all of that to reflect your truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I am amazed. I love you. I praise you. I worship you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.